1: It's really a powerful feeling when you find your purpose. And in doing that purpose, it brings stability to your life.
2: Daniel Hearn of Hard Knocks Talks. Thanks for joining me on Knocking Doors Down. What is going on, brother?
1: Oh, I am just grateful to be here today. I'm always grateful for the opportunity to uh, to share a little bit of my message, share a little of my story, and 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 learn a little bit about yours along the way.
2: No, we were talking before we started, I was kind of facing a, a, a difficult um, decision I got to make, and you really threw that insight of, uh, you know, what I was saying was the solution of drinking didn't even come to my head, didn't even think about it, but it's a a tough thing and financial decisions, but you know, you shared some really good insight on, on hardships, the inevitability of we're going to have them.
1: Yeah. And, and that's, that's just a fact of life. Um, since I, since I found a safer way to live, um, I, 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 I can't escape it anymore. And finding that acceptance in hard stuff is going to come. I've been through enough of it now to know that on the other side of the hard things, whatever they are, there's always lessons, there's always growth, and there's always abundance in whatever capacity may present itself. So, you know, when, when I when I see other people who have had a toxic relationship with substances come out of that and then say, man, I'm struggling. Like, that's the first thing I always go to is like, this is an opportunity. And I'm not saying that I go through, I go into my struggles like, oh, yay, another stupid hard thing <laughs> I have to face. You know, like, that's not how it is. You know, but I do find the gratitude in knowing that, okay, I am on my feet enough to know that whatever this is, I can, I can get through it on my feet.
2: And I think that's a hard concept for anyone, especially the newcomers to recovery. When you're talking to them about gratitude, it's, it's hard to get them to shift the mindset to, uh, how am I thankful of this? You know, uh, I I know a guy recently who kind of reached out, we were talking through, through the podcast and uh, messenger. And he's like, like, uh, so a guy I used to uh, uh, shoot up dope with uh, died. Where, where do I find the gratitude in that? You know? And boy, it took me a while to, To respond to that, you know, because it's a hard thing to find this gratitude thing. I don't care. Even when you're not an addict, it's hard to find it in life.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, You know, if you want to talk about the creator, if you want to start talk about God, whatever you choose to believe in, um, if I think if I can start to think that I understand the plan for me here and why things happen then then I, I i start to take a step back and i and I actually that's the point where I want to call someone and be like, "This is what I'm thinking because if I think I understand the master plan then then clearly I'm starting to think that I'm moving into that god type role again, you know <laughs> so um there, sometimes there isn't an answer that that can be conceived as to why bad things happen,
2: yeah you know? well, and don't you you find as well that sometimes we gotta let things play out and it doesn't become evident right away. I mean, it could be years it could be years. I mean, it was for both of us with, you know, we, we never sat there and went today. I really want to get high or drunk, you know, it's, it's mm-hmm. just, you fall into that. And once you come out of it, I, I wouldn't have thought I was here. And you, your story, you know, I worked in media, you had nothing to do with media. Now you're doing I,
1: amazing. I didn't know that little bit of a story just let me let me i don't want to call it flexing but this is part of my story and i I believe there's hope in it so when i started my project a year and a half ago i went live february 12th 2021 was my very first episode of hard knocks talks i was at my dining room table with a laptop and a green sheet on the wall and that's all i had and in that in that time You know like i didn't i barely knew how to open a word document never mind run a streaming platform like i just like i dove in i didn't have the answers and maybe this can go back to what we were talking about before i didn't have the answers but i moved forward and i made mistakes and things happened and some bad things got said and some some episodes turned out really crappy with poor production quality and and i was mad and it sucked and, you know, like I'm like saying to myself, oh, I hate that. I don't want to feel like this anymore. But I didn't want that desire to feel better immediately deter me from staying the course. And in that year and a half, through all of that hardship and, and, and you know, maybe it's first world problems that I'm describing right now. And fair enough. Say what you will. They were real struggles for me. And now I have this, this studio in my home and I didn't go into debt for any of it. I, I, I put my focus on serving community. I put my focus on, on realizing that the power of story, the stories have the power to save lives, you know, and they need to be treated as such and staying in that mindset has brought abundance to my life, man. Like it's, it's wild.
2: Yeah. So to jump into your, let's jump into your background here, kind of let people give them some relevance, um. Yeah. Well, you were an electrician,
1: a welder, journeyman welder. welder. Yeah,
2: that's right. Yeah. So he couldn't be, you know, not that there's not technology there because it's a profession that I loved and sucked at when I tried <laughs> in my youth, my dad was a, a brilliant fabricator. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, where for you then um, let's give some talk about childhood. It, it was your fo- foyer into substance abuse. uh a trauma-based situation and it doesn't necessarily you know people misinterpret it, it has to be a huge t
1: mm-hmm. yeah no i mean f- for me it took me a long time to understand the trauma of my childhood because it wasn't a big t there wasn't no there wasn't any really terrible things that happened but i do mm-hmm. remember like I-, I don't believe that it was trauma that took me into substance use i believe that i was born into this you know whatever, whatever that was, and even if I wasn't born into this, my desire to escape myself preceded my drinking by a number of years. I remember asking my dad like oh well, what is what does vodka taste like, and what is raw?" I was fascinated with alcohol like at least three or four years before my first drink so and and mm. and I didn't grow up in an in an active alcoholic home my 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 father is alcoholic, and my mom. She had her, her ride with substances herself, but by the time I came along, came along, they had both found a safer way to live. So my, um, my, my alcoholism and my, my addiction, um, it, it, I don't believe it, it came from a traumatic event or a series of events or anything like that.
2: Right. Yeah. I, um, and I don't recollect if you've talked with him yet, but, uh, you know, Dr. Rob Kelly, who's been on here, he, he studied the brain, the addict brain. And, you know, he, he says us alcoholics, you're born
1: born with a million dollar mind.
2: Yeah. Born with yeah. it. And, yeah. um, not that, you know, my dad who is primary substance that, that he was treated for methamphetamines and then also had a, a sex addiction as well. Um, which it's weird to trace back in the lineage of that in our family, but on my mom's side, alcoholism for sure and and drug addiction taking one of my uncle's lives um so it it was I can relate to you, even though there was some trauma, no matter what, I always kind of felt a desire to escape it was you know it was like uh. Sadly, so my first kind of escapism was stuff like Star Wars and Jaws and other movies. And then the second one that came along because it was in my household was hardcore pornography. Mm -hmm. And I've really had to go back and look at that work of that, of that self-soothing through this form of escapism, you know, because I was definitely I don't know if that's an inherent thing with men in my (laughs) on my dad's side of the family, but a fascination with women. And I don't mean that in a derogatory negative way, but almost like, wow, there's something more powerful than, than me. And you know, Mm -hmm. why does this catch my attention? And Mm -hmm. um, so these are things I really had to go back and confront as well, because people don't believe me when I go, yeah, I didn't really get like a buzz drunk drinking until i was 22 i I didn't drink in high school because my dad was off on the lunar lander doing his his thing and i felt mom needed some stability of some kind and i just had friends that that's not what we did you know Mm -hmm. so it's just uh it's pretty crazy how it it, uh, you know maturated maturation of it didn't come till like you know late 20s
1: yeah that's it you you mentioned um women there. Uh, women were a bone of, not. I don't know if a bone of contention is the right word. Uh, they were definitely a coping mechanism for me. Uh, mm. I remember from also from a very young age, like as, as early as 14 years old, uh, not feeling complete unless I was in a relationship. And at 14 years old, I mean, I wasn't getting in relationships. So that was another thing that that seems to, to precede the event. You know what I mean? Like with my alcoholism or with my addiction, substance use, whatever you choose to call it. I was looking for it well before it came along yeah. and I didn't feel complete until I had it. Mm-hmm. Same thing with me, uh, with, with women, uh, I, I felt like I was incomplete unless I had a woman in my life, unless the, I didn't feel validated or, or whatever that was at 14 years old, laying on my mom's couch, crying and, 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 and relenting that I didn't have a girlfriend and my mom's looking at me like, man. (laughs) 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 Wait till you find one, then you'll
0: know trouble.
2: (laughs) Uh, uh, I I mirror your story,
3: you know.
0: um. The Knockin' Doors Down book shares all the history and inspiration behind the Carlos Vieira Foundation and how it all started. All proceeds from the book benefit the Carlos Vieira Foundation's race to be drug free campaign. So what's that all about? Through the Race to Be Drug-Free campaign, Carlos Vieira Foundation raises awareness about drug abuse, donates to drug-free programs, and brings drug-free speakers into schools to educate youth.
2: And I remember my, my first big, like heartbreak, you know, was just uh, devastating the lady and she cheated on me with one of my buddies. And oddly Mm -hmm. enough, that even became a pattern almost as if I sought that out. I looked for validation, but I almost wanted to be invalidated at the same time to justify my story. So once Mm -hmm. like substances came in and primary alcohol, it was off to the races. I, you know, having a relationship last more than a year was a miracle at that point.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and when it would end, you know, off we'd go, but uh, right. yeah. So yeah, I don't know where to go from there, but <laughs> I remember
2: the, uh, having a breakup celebrations. Ah, I split up with her. What are we going to do? Oh, ah, we'll all meet at the bar. Yeah. <laughs> it was oh, an God. excuse to drink. And then, and then two weeks later back seeing the same person or something, you know, cause that toxic yeah. love.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I never, I never really knew any other way until I, um, until I entered recovery and, uh, you know, you know how, uh, they say, you know, like if I, in in my, in my active addiction, I, I would, you know, if I, if I wasn't with a woman, I was actively seeking out, you know, always seeking, seeking, seeking. And and looking back now, I, I came to realize that like the healthy women that would, you know, that I would come across either online or, or whatever, I would only go after the ones that I thought were sick enough to be with me. You know, like if they didn't have some sort of, of twist or, or their own struggle or, or whatever, um, I was like, oh, no, no. But if, if they had their own, I'd be like, oh yeah, she's sick enough. She'll be with me, you know? like And, and that's something I didn't realize at the time. But looking back now, <clears throat> it's, it's really obvious that I was, I, I, I don't really even know what I was looking for, man. But Same. When, yeah, but when I came into recovery, I, I tried that. I got 90 days in and you know how they say, oh, wait a year and do, you know, and, and I'm like, ah, they don't know me. And I, I tried getting into a relationship with someone that I met um, in the recovery community and it did not end well. And the difference this time was, is that I had a little bit of, of recovery. And when I touched that hot stove, I recoiled and, and I'm like, you know what? There might be something to this waiting a year thing. And and um I, I believe that was probably one of the the better decisions that I made in early recovery was was waiting and finding, you know, finding peace within myself, finding a way to to be content with with sitting here alone and being okay. And it took a long time. I think I stayed I stayed single for for just about two years. And and even when I did get into another relationship, it 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 didn't feel right, even though this woman was. A fantastic woman and if you're and if you're watching what's up <laughs> we're, we're still good friends to this day you know like we went through through our own struggles but we're we still remained there for each other as best we can
2: yeah so. no i i and i know what you mean because For me, it was, uh, I love presenting red flags and I love chasing red flags. It seemed almost as if I I fixed that person and they are probably trying to like do the same. If they fix me, then everything's going to be fine as if we can make someone fit into a mold and it's just disingenuous love. I mean, love by definition, it has no, no, uh, restrictions to it. It it, it has no judgment and, um, Mm -hmm. You know, I I was just, I I think, inherently wanting someone to fix me, almost mommy me to a certain extent. So I just gravitated towards those things and, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, not to call the other relationships toxic, because clearly I was bringing many toxic traits as well without even knowing that. You know, the, the pornography, the, the molestation stuff affected me as well as the, the drinking to numb that all out or have the quote unquote confidence that we believe we have when we're drinking, uh, you know, or using whatever it is. So for me, it was until, uh, you know, people have asked me about relapse as, as a part of recovery. And I go, no, it's a part of your addiction. And, and it really helped me after my last fall off, which uh, February 15th of 2023 will be two years. Uh, it, yeah, yeah, thank you, brother. It'll help <laughs> me examine the it, it helped me examine the fact I was just being a dry drunk mm-hmm. and I wasn't working it. And once I started to really work the program, I know you're a 12 step or I am, it works for me, works for you. Mm-hmm. It allowed me to start establishing boundaries and all of a sudden red flags, yellow flags, I ran away. It was like, mm-hmm. nope. And I'm not gonna present any. I started to establish really good, solid boundaries. Mm-hmm.
1: And yeah, that that's that's interesting because I it, it's like I had to somehow get through the pain far enough to get a taste of the good life. You right. know, like once now that's the fix. That's the fix, man. I'll tell you. Uh a healthy and productive life. Like they, they say in the programs, and you 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 call me a 12-stepper. And and I I can understand that and and I did like I was really really into the program early on. I did two meetings a day every day for a year, and you know like I worked the steps and I was a sponsor and I did all those things. But at some point, I stopped being Dan the addict and started being Dan the human being who wants to live a fulfilling life. Mm. You know, like I don't really I don't really go to meetings as much anymore. Like maybe once a month, maybe once maybe six weeks or whatever. Um, I still have friends that are, you know, actively in the program and things like that. But it was it was once I found that, you know, I, I don't think that I was meant to stay as heavily in the program as I was, you know, like I I, I had to step outside that and into the real world where it it was kind of dangerous. And I and I don't mean like, oh, I'm gonna go hang out at the trap. I mean like you know <laughs> but like i'm gonna go i'm gonna go out of outside of this of this safe little bubble that i've created right and and I'm going to you know like I'm gonna drive the car that I've been building yeah. you know, and um when I started doing that, that is when that is when the doors of opportunity started presenting themselves yeah. and and it's been a wonderful ride, man, I'll tell you
2: and I think it's necessary, and I'm glad that you bring that up. We are have a, a, the other night went and a friend of mine who's an amazing speaker. Um, someone you should definitely talk to at some point, Tony Hoffman. I mean, the dude's traveled back and forth across the United States, done thousands and thousands of speaking at at high schools. And there was a lady there that uh, we helped get uh, her brother into his treatment facility, and. She was talking to me about the sober living and I was like, yeah, I think it's necessary for him because it'll help him build those skills. Like you said, to mm-hmm. get out of that bubble. It's like, okay, you got a safe retreat for some time. Maybe it's a year. Maybe you needed a year. Everybody's different, but mm-hmm. I, you bring up that good point. Eventually we've got to get back out there and thrive and know how to, um, to navigate and test these skills that we've developed. hmm
1: and, you know, I, I really, I really realized that I had done that and, and, and I knew that I had done that already, but recently I went and got my motorcycle learner's license and I had this realization when, when the course was over and some of the last remarks that the instructor said, is there, now you have these skills, you're never going to get any better if you don't leave your driveway. Mm. You know, he, he said, go out in traffic. Go out, go out on, on, on the freeway, you know, and don't, don't ride with any other people until you've put at least a tank of gas through that machine (laughs) because they're going to want to take you through their favorite places and you're going to try and keep up, you know, and, and maybe you're not ready to keep up to that yet. So, you know put a, put a tank of gas through your machine before you go out into the world.
2: (laughs) Uh, That's good advice. Yeah. For me, that some of those steps were like, you know, uh, I'm a big concert goer was, was doing a concert and it was to see kiss one of my all time favorite bands. And I tell my, my, we, we weren't boyfriend, girlfriend then, uh, but she is now and going, boy, I'm wondering if I'll even have fun. Mm -hmm. And I had the most fun I've ever had at a concert that I can remember singing every song, dancing, having just as much of a good time uh, and actually remembering it this time than ever. But I had to get outside of that comfort zone. It was uncomfortable at first, but we have to we have to test ourselves. We have Mm -hmm. to. And if we need to retreat then at some point a little bit, that's okay too.
1: Back to the driveway for a minute.
2: Hard knocks talk. So, when in recovery, did you? What? What made you decide? Hey, I want to get on with people, tell my story, tell their story, and and really just be of service in this way. What was the inspiration coming from? You were a fabricator.
1: Yeah, welder. I was when I thought of this show, and I the the name didn't come to me immediately, but I it was COVID, and I was in a technical institute taking a uh, A safety certification course I was going to be a safety guy safety Mm. practitioner and I don't know where the idea came from I was just sitting there one day looking out my window with my laptop at my dining room table and I just thought I should start a podcast Hmm. and I put it on Facebook and a couple of my friends came back yeah do it do it I'll come on I'll come on so so I did it I I, you know and like I was living on student loan at the time so I I call my mom up. I'm like, mom, I need $600. I I, I need some lights and, and some streaming software, some cheap streaming software. And she says, she's like, what's a podcast? <laughs> 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 I'm like, well, I'm just learning that myself, really. <laughs> so, yeah. So with that $600, I got StreamYard, a uh, very popular uh, beginner or er, streaming platform that, a lot of people use because it's really super easy to use. And um, yeah, I went live from my laptop. Um, I'll never forget, though. I think it was like a week before I like I'd already thought of this. And I was trying to think of a name. And I'm I live close to the river here. And I was walking down by the river and I had a little puppy. He's a big stinky dog now. He's around here somewhere. But um, at the time, he was just this little fluff ball. And we're walking along the trails through the bush along the river. And I come to a little clearing and, you know, the bush, it's a beautiful winter day. Um, the steam's coming off the water. The sun is shining. And and suddenly from nowhere, Hard Knocks Talks.
3: Hmm.
1: And and I, I stopped and, and, you know, it's funny because before Hard Knocks Talks, I had a welding company called Hard Knocks Welding. And, and, and it didn't, you know, so this perhaps this has been coming for a lot longer than I realized, but when it happened, hard knocks talks, I stopped and I started to cry and I'm looking around. I'll never forget. Like I, I have this in my mind. I remember the moment and I just said, thank you. I just, I kind of looked up a little bit and I just said, thank you, because I felt like I had been given what I'm here to do you have arrived. Here's the next thing, Yeah. you know? So, and, and yeah, a few days later we went live and you know, the rest is history so far.
0: 5150 is a lifestyle. We believe in pushing yourself, finding your passion, knowing your dreams and working hard and always striving to make those dreams your reality. We believe life is too short to sit back and say, what if go after it, grab it and make it happen.
2: let me ask you this, um, through all the conversations you've had, and I've had quite a few where people have left so many nuggets of wisdom. Do you have any that, that just stick with you? Maybe not necessarily on a daily basis, but pop up and come back and you're like, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah.
1: Hmm. Well, you kind of put me on the spot there. There's been so many, where do you start?
2: <laughs> I'll throw an example. Um, this guy, Mike Diamond an interventionalist does some different producing and uh, TV shows and stuff. And uh, it's something that I knew, but I never put it into simple terms. He said, unsuccessful people do the work when they feel like it's successful people do the work, no matter how they feel. And I was able to not only take that for myself and be like, shit, he's right. I still make a lot of excuses for myself. I still struggle with depression and anxiety but this stuff's going to have to get done anyways. And I started to transform that and even use that with my kids with some of their struggles, you know, this lockdown stuff made it difficult to want to get back to work and let alone for the youth to jump back into the education stream. So that's, you know, that's something that like sticks with me every day that that, know, I, that I use.
1: Now that you mention it, and we talked a little bit about Rob Kelly before he has been on my show. Okay. And um, man, that guy is like a, like a serenity bitch slap.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's how I one.
1: always, I always describe Rob as that. Like whenever I get the opportunity, because I just, it feels so like he gets in your face, but it's like, thank you for being here <laughs> mm-hmm. in my face with me. But he said something and it, and it sticks with me. When I think of, uh, of, of Dr. Rob, he says, um, show me your friends. I'll show you your future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, it, it it's difficult in in the situation that that I'm in and that you are as well. We want to help. Yeah. You know, we want to help the people that 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 want to be helped, and it, it it's hard to draw that boundary. You know, where where's the line between service and serenity? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And that's been a bit of a challenge for me because people they come to me and they want to be in my life, and I'm like. I I wish you well. I want you to do well in your life, but the best I can do for you is to show you by leading by example. And because and yeah. like, like I can't have some people in my my inner circle in 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 the new safe place that I have found out here, you know. Yeah. So, yeah.
2: All too well. That, that and I think that was for me again that that big lesson. Like you said, we have that we start with painful lessons occur, mm-hmm. and you know, what we're supposed to learn may not come to fruition for a while. But yeah, that that protecting my peace at all costs, that there's, you know, I can only help you to a certain extent. And, you know, how I give my time is up to me and nobody's going to make me feel bad about that. You know, that's and and that's helped me have gratitude for other people's time, like as simple as us agreeing to sit and do this conversation. You're taking a chunk out of your day too to give it to to us, to be able to have this conversation, let's share it on these platforms and and hopefully help people, you know. So there's a point where you got to go. Where is the me area that mm-hmm. that I need to focus on? Where is that, and and how do I go about that? And uh, it's still a hard balance. I struggle yeah. with it. Yeah. I still struggle with it, you know. Mm-hmm.
1: I've I've never. It's it's hard to draw that boundary. I've had to do that a couple of times, and, mm-hmm. and even even recently, um, uh, um a guy was uh, reaching back out to me, and uh, I, I had sponsored him in the past, and it just it never ended well. Like it always ended with me, like with with a threat of of me being bear maced or or something, you know. Like it never ended well, <laughs> and he reached out to me again recently, and and I and I want him to do good. I I don't want to make any I have nothing no ill will but I'm like man I just I don't think that we're a good fit I think maybe you would be better served by someone who's walked more closely in your shoes Mm -hmm. and I was expecting anger in response you know I was expecting that and but I didn't receive it I was met with understanding
0: Hmm.
1: and and after that situation occurred and and we parted ways I, I felt as though my cup had been filled yeah. You know, as though I uh, maybe maybe in a way I did serve that person in, in saying, look, I'm not the best fit for you. Maybe that was of service to that person.
3: Yeah. You know? and,
2: and I think that that's some of the misconceptions that we can have at times or at least a, a chronic people pleaser that that setting our boundary um, will be a positive thing for all involved. You know, that's like prime examples like, well, this could really hurt this person or let's look at it another way. It could really help somebody.
1: And that goes back to the spot where I'm talking about when I think I understand creator's plan, I'm in trouble. (laughs) So like I'm not God. I don't know what the plan is, but I know what's right in my soul. And if I stay true to myself and to community, it, it, it always it always comes out on top.
2: You know, Daniel, one of the things and that and moved me when we did our talk with, with Higgy on uh, on his platform that we did live on Facebook, what you're both encouraging me to do. So I think I need to start moving some of this to, to doing more live, get some interaction. But you said a thing that really meant a lot to me was uh, the I want you to succeed, too. Which I wouldn't have done that prior to getting sober.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, I know. And, and, and I still struggle. Like. There are times where I have the thoughts, you know, like when I see one of my, one of my creator friends out there and my, my, my collaborators, they're doing something and it looks really good. And I'm like, Oh, you know, like I start to get that feeling. Like, I don't know if I want to help them grow that, <laughs> but, but I always got to take a step away from that. And I like, how do I want to meet her success? Do I want to meet her success by the impact I leave in the community or by my mountains taller than yours. Right. You know, like I don't want to be at the top of the mountain by myself. That sounds like a fucking lonely way to live, man.
2: Oh, it's a shit. We did yeah. that before we tried. Yeah. Yeah. We definitely, you know, played God and and thought mm-hmm. that we could control and we're all knowing and mm-hmm. you know, that didn't turn out well, but mm-hmm. yeah, you're right. It It is a really lonely thing. And, and, you know, I think the people, and I don't know about you, I've seen people fall off from doing this platform and I've had people like, you know, your partner's gone and things have changed. Why are you sticking with it? Because I still get a message like every episode thinks that made a difference. It's like, how can you give up on, on at least just one person? I'm sure there's many or more that maybe don't communicate it to you.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, um, Yeah. <laughs> I don't really know what to say to that. It's, it's, it's really a powerful feeling when you find your purpose and in doing that purpose, it brings stability to your life. Yeah. You know, like if you can, you know, they say do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. Uh, That's a lie. I think (laughs) (laughs) I agree. (laughs) I mean, maybe not a lie, but it's like, no, I work hard. Like I work really hard. You know, like I, I there are, uh, I stay, there are nights where I'm up all night worrying. There are nights where I, I, I can't sleep because, have you ever been so tired you can't sleep? Yes. You know, so, um, but that purpose drives me forward. That knowing that I'm being of service to a community and in that service, I'm finding abundance in my life. Like there is, I, I have not found a better feeling than that. Yet.
2: Yeah. No, I agree, and it's funny. I was a, I had a foyer of uh, teaching on the high school level, and I, it it came up like, yeah, you know, Mister. The Chance, what do you think the purpose of life is? And even though I was still really getting to probably the rock, towards the rock bottom of my addiction, I said, work. It really is the work that you do, and and how it serves others, and. Mm-hmm your family and everything else. It's, it's, it's what we're going to leave behind. You know, I mean, Mm -hmm. it it just is look at, you know, famous artists or philosophers or whatever, their work is what is still here and still influencing people in in different ways.
1: Mm -hmm. Honor the struggle. You know, it goes back to what we were saying earlier about uh, going through hard times and finding gratitude. You know, it's, it's, it's honor this, the, the true and, and maybe my opinion of this will change. I didn't read this anywhere, but this is just my own thoughts. Is that the gift is in the struggle? Mm. You know, the gift is like, what is a sunset? Like, what is, what is a sun? What is a sunset without the rain? You know, how do we know what's good and what's bad in our lives if we don't go through the struggle and feel that at its most fundamental level? Yeah. You know, pain is, will be your most honest teacher of self.
2: Yeah. And a necessity, you know, think from the time that we're, we're born to throughout, you know, pain mm. is an, Pain is not a thing that we're going to be able to, to make go away. And Mm -hmm. we sure tried. We did. Made it, it made it even worse. And we created new pains that didn't necessarily, that didn't have to exist in reality, but you are, you grow. Reaching maturity and all these things, puberty, it's painful mentally, emotionally, physically, you know, you want to build your muscles. That's a painful process. You hit the gym, you snap down the fibers in your muscles. They build up bigger. There you go. That's how muscles grow. It's, Mm -hmm. Life is just going to have pain. It's, mm-hmm. it's just taking a look at it. And what is this trying to show me? Is it, is it pain where, for instance, I got a terrible neck. And so I got to go get an MRI. Cool. Okay. Then that's what you got to do. Is it an emotional pain? Taking a look at why is that present? What is it about that that is there? You mm-hmm. know, and how do we maybe discontinue the, the pattern of re, uh, you know, bringing that pain up over and over, which I was a master at.
1: Mm-hmm. And that, that, that's reminds me of a, of a saying. Um, it's, it goes in, in creator's hands, our, our dark past can become our greatest asset. And, you know, I, um, I think about that often. And, and I think about, you know, if somebody were to ever come to me and say, I could take away all your pain, I could take away all your bad memories, I could take away all the bad things that happened to you. Um. I I would say no, no thanks. You know, I I I need that stuff. I need those memories. In fact, just this morning, uh, Donna and I were sitting here talking about, I don't know, was it last night? In any case, we were we were talking and she was talking about the time the, the first time that she came, she got off the street and she got on assistance. So she was on social assistance and she was pregnant and she had found some stability in her life and she had a little apartment and she was doing the work to move through the things that she's been through. And she, she reflected on the time that she got her first check. And instead of going and blowing it on drugs, she went to this fancy little hole in the wall coffee shop right by her house and she bought herself a nice cup of coffee where that same coffee shop she used to sit outside at her worst and steal the wi-fi you know and and not even not even be able to afford a cup of coffee so it's those things it's that it's that that cup of coffee means more when you've got the pain to remember what it was like not being able to have that when you can feel that at the most fundamental level that's not something that you can teach you know you 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 see parents and maybe not so much anymore, but it, it happens walking down the street and they see a, an, an, an unhoused person sitting on the sidewalk and they say to their kids, you stay in school or you're going to end up like that guy, you know? Well, that guy has an education that, you know, you probably don't. <laughs> yeah. So that guy has the power to save lives. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah,
2: and, and probably wouldn't be strong enough to embrace that education. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I, I know you've known them. I've known people that have been on the streets for 20 years and turned their life into something magical.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's I mean, that lived experience that, that made um, the growth possible. Yeah. And I'm not saying that y'all should go out and start smoking drugs and shit. Like that's not. <laughs> <laughs> no, let's not do that. <laughs> that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying uh... that these these dark experiences can be turned into a great asset, and that can lead you in a in, a, in a, on a trajectory that that you didn't see coming. I didn't see this coming, man. I I didn't see anything coming when I was in my active addiction. I would look forward in in my in my future, and I would try to imagine what my life was going to look like, and all I saw was black. I I didn't see anything.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I figured death was in, imminent and that's okay. You know, mm-hmm. I wasn't being of service to anyone. I was probably more burdened than anything else. And yeah, we, we uh, definitely crawl into that, that dark hole of uh, self-loathing. And so it's good to be able to take this stuff and, and let it be a purpose, you know, maybe help someone never to go down this path more ideal than anything.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, I, 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 I think about that often, you know, my, my experiences gave me a very valuable asset and I, I don't, I don't want people to have smooth sailing in their life Mm-mm. because like, what a waste of a life that would be if everything was just easy and you didn't have to fight. If you didn't have to slay those dragons and climb yeah. those mountains, where would the gratitude be? Yeah. You know, what, what, what could you come skidding into the afterlife saying, look what I did, you know? (laughs) (laughs) So, Uh. but you know, I, everybody has their own hardship. Now, hopefully somebody could hear our message and, and avoid the, you know, the, the, they'll find their own hardship, but hopefully it's hardship that they choose to challenge themselves with not something that takes them away from themselves.
2: Absolutely uh I, I got a good sports analogy here that's uh, i'm a big formula one fan my favorite driver is lewis hamilton you know done amazing things of course being the only black driver ever in formula one let alone the most winning uh, ever um but like the team's having a tough year and people are like hey, you know are you done he's like whoa wait a minute this is the same people that gave me all these cars all this support to do all these things, the, these records, that in the grand scheme of life, he's like, don't matter, but it's allowed me to help so many other people with the stuff that I care about beyond this sport. Why, why would I give up? Mm-hmm. These people have done so much. And so that was a really interesting lesson on gratitude. It's like, yeah, it sucks. But again, first world problems. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm still here in this thing. I still make a good living to do all this philanthropy. Why, why would I stop? Because mm-hmm. you guys tell me I'm over the hill, and I should, or I've lost my mojo, it's like give me a fucking break you know yeah. Yeah. uh so I don't know it, it's it's a lot of framing and how we think
1: of it yeah i um a few months ago i was i was uh in a lull i uh my analytics weren't weren't good i wasn't my platform wasn't growing, my viewership wasn't that good and i um uh, someone came up to me and they said, well, maybe this had a shelf life. Maybe it's not going to work. And I'm like, Oh, oh no, it's going to work. Plan B sucks. <laughs> 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 I've seen plan B. <laughs> I don't want to go back there. <laughs> yeah. <right.
2: laughs> yeah. Uh, thank you for sharing that. I've definitely had that same struggle. A guy commented on the Facebook Uh and I forget what it was in one of the short clips of an interview, you know, like, uh, mm-hmm. geez, uh, how does it feel that no one's, no one's watching. So I just sent him a screenshot of the near 2 million views. I forget how many thousands of hours. And I go, I don't know. People don't are, know. buddy. Yeah,
1: you know if it ever happens. <laughs>
2: yeah. You're catching this clip like two hours after it came out. I don't know what to tell you, man, you know, yeah. but Hey, I'm sure it helped one person and that's what matters most.
1: Just flexing on Facebook.
2: Yeah, I was. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> uh, So uh, people want to find out more about Hard Knocks Talks, all the stuff you're doing, uh, lay it down for them before I uh, jump in some random questions and ask you for the final thought.
1: Uh, like where people can find me? Yep. Okay. Well, I mean, we're very easy to find. In fact, that's like some, my biggest purpose in life really is to be easy to find. So uh, we're on Facebook. We are on Instagram, TikTok. We are on, we're even on Twitter and we're on LinkedIn. Uh, we have a website, www.hardknockstalks.com. You can find us on all major audio podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, uh, Stitcher, Anchor, all, we're, we're everywhere. We're everywhere. So if you can't find us, that's not my fault.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and I'll make it extra easy because the yeah, links yeah. are in you, the podcast description.
1: And if that doesn't work, you email me, Daniel at hardknockstalks.com.
2: <laughs> Just click the link in the podcast. Trust me, easiest yeah, way.
1: Do easiest that. way. And great I look website. Forward to- I look forward to seeing you (laughs)
2: Yeah, uh, and great website. And Daniel does have some amazing inspirational merch up there. Um, You know, I'm one of those guys. I like to wear the quotes and things. It just reminds me to be able to look down. So make sure you check out the store as well. Support Hard Knocks Talks in that way. All right. Good, sir. Random questions. Uh, Go. if uh, they're to make a movie about you, who would you want? uh, What actor to play you as an adult?
1: Um, Robert Downey Jr. Right. I don't know.
2: It just worked because, because he would get it.
1: He would get it. Yeah. I think he would get it. we've all seen his mug shots.
2: Oh yeah. Yeah. I I, re- I remember the, uh, the speech where he's in the not speech, but he's in the courtroom and telling the judge, he's like, I got a, I got a gun in my mouth and I like the taste of the metal, you know, and he was referencing, you know. His drug use, and I remember sharing that, and somebody going, "Oh, he, he he had a gun in his mouth." No, no, no. Watch the whole thing. He's talking about the relevance of what drug addiction is and how little sense it makes.
1: Mm-hmm. That's powerful.
2: But I could see it. I could see Robert Downey Jr. Like, pulling you not off. because
1: not because he looks like me or anything like that, or or even has the same mannerisms. It's just I, that's the only person that I could think of off the top of my head that that has uh, that's been in in it. And I know a lot of actors have, but I don't know. Yeah. That's what the universe told me to say just there. So <laughs> uh,
2: <laughs> if you could have one superpower, what would it be?
1: To stay calm in every situation.
2: That's a new one. Why is that? Do you still get it worked up? I know I do.
1: Oh God. If only I could just stay calm, my life would be even better than it is today. Like I get so worked up. Like, even, even something as simple, Oh, one of my memes didn't do good. You know, <sighs> that starts the wheel spinning, you know, and I, and I get it. It's irrational. I get it. I get it. Don't base your, you know, your, 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 your inner peace on, on outward things, yeah. But you know, and then, uh, or, or if I have uh, trouble connecting with a guest before we go live, like Sundays and Tuesday evenings are stressful for me because if it doesn't go off, then the show doesn't go live. And, you know, like, there's just all of these things, you know, and, uh, yeah, if I could just master the art of staying calm, that, that would be a goddamn superpower for me. <laughs>
2: Welcome to the club, brother. Uh, I might have to switch mine up.
1: Uh, <laughs> no, it's mine. <laughs> uh, all of yours, keep it. Uh,
2: yeah. uh, if uh, you were stranded on a deserted island and you had uh, one movie and one music artist-like compilation, uh, what would they be?
1: I really don't watch that many movies. But I know Red Hot Chili Peppers uh, has really helped me through some hard times. Hmm. Yeah, because I know Anthony Kiedis has his story and, and it really shines through once you have that level of understanding and you listen to the lyrics and the way that he he uses them. Yeah. Um, it's it's very powerful. And like even in my active addiction, I really loved Red Hot Chili Peppers. But when I came into recovery, you know, if you want to talk about things happen for a reason and the things come into our lives when they're meant to. Um, the the lyrics of, of their music just run rife with healing, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So as for, as for a movie, I'm, I'm sorry, but I, I, I can't really think of one off the top of my head. I'm, I, I can't watch movies anymore. Like in, in, really? in my recovery. Yeah. I can't sit still long enough. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Too much to be done. Well, yeah. Like that. Or I'm, you know, like I'm on my phone or I'm, I'm, you know, talking to the kid or to, to Donna or or whatever. It's just, I can't, Like I put, I put shows on now, except Peaky Blinders. Peaky Blinders captivated me. Okay. That's not really a movie, but. Yeah. We'll give you,
2: we'll give you a a set of all the uh, seasons. There you go. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Red Hot Chili Peppers and Peaky Blinders.
2: Yeah, It's it's interesting how you talk about that with the Chili Peppers is that um, we can have things that meant one thing and then transform to something totally different. And mm-hmm. I, I know I've had that with quite a few different artists, be it music, movies, TV, whatever it is, literature, that it just takes on a whole new meaning. Because I've got a whole new set of eyes that are connected to a totally different heart and mind, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. yeah. So, uh, all right. One last random question for you here. You can have dinner with any one person, living or not. Who are they?
1: Donna. Donna. Yeah,
2: and to let people know who, who Donna is because we we've, we've referred to her, but uh, I know who she is, but the listener yeah. may not.
1: So Donna is my Donna is my partner. Uh, you could call her my wife if you wanted to. We're not married. I don't think we ever will be. Um, we met in active addiction. We spent eight years together in active addiction. We had a son together. Our son was apprehended. She left for a life on the street. I went into recovery. Eight months later. Well, I had six months clean living in a sober living house. I got my son back. I was a single father for a year and a half. And then Donna came skidding in off the streets. Hmm. And it was terrible. I didn't want her back. The resentment was so deep-rooted. It was terrible. We got in a big, vicious court battle, drug tests and and custody and all that. And as time went on, the dust settled. We had 50-50. We started meeting once a week to do the transition right so your week my week, your week and we started having supper and and the dust continued to settle and six years after we split we s- found our own darkness we found our own healing and we reconciled and we've been together since may of this year if there's it. any if there's any one human on this planet that is meant to walk beside me it's her
2: Right on. Right on, Daniel. If uh, you uh, could lend anything for, maybe not just the struggling addict or newly recovering, or heck, long-term recovery, but maybe their loved ones, um, what might be something you would want to share?
1: Take care of yourself. Um, if if you're a loved one, practice healthy boundaries. Love from a distance. Uh, your happiness matters too. Um, if you're just getting into the rooms, I encourage you not to paint a picture of what you think your life should look like. Um, expectations are premeditated resentments. They say one day at a time, they say that for good reason. Um, thinking, you know, what your life should look like could very easily send you back out when it doesn't look like that. So Take it easy. Be easy on yourself. That's all I got.
2: The podcast is Hard Knocks Talks. Of course, find them on all social media platforms. Daniel man, thank you, brother. I appreciate you.
1: And thank you for the opportunity to share with your community. And um, I look forward to seeing you more out there in social media land. My friend, this is the knocking doors
2: down podcast featuring celebrities, experts and everyday people who have overcome adversities, including addiction, mental health and trauma to
0: live purposeful lives. And that's what Knocking Doors Down is all about. Strengthening communities, providing resources, building awareness, empowering youth in need to overcome adversity and achieve success. This is what the Carlos Vieira Foundation is all about. Through our campaigns, the Race for Autism, Race to End the Stigma, and Race to Be Drug-Free, we're able to help so many in need. Our goal is to provide support to families and children and give these families opportunities that might not normally arise. Learn more and find out how you can get involved. visit
3: carlosvierafoundation.org today. This podcast contains the views and opinions of the knocking doors down hosts and their guests to the show. The content here should not be taken as medical advice. The content here is for informational purposes only and because each person is sharing their unique perspective, please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions views and opinions expressed in the podcast and website are our own and do not represent that of our places of work while we make every effort to ensure that the information we are sharing is accurate we welcome any comments suggestions or correction of errors privacy is of the utmost importance to us for those wishing anonymity people places and scenarios mentioned in the podcast have been changed to protect confidentiality at the request of certain guests this website or podcast should not be used in any legal capacity whatsoever, including but not limited to establishing standard of care in a legal sense or as a basis for expert witness testimony. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements or opinions made on the podcast or website. In no way does listening, reading, emailing, or interacting on social media with their content establish a doctor-patient relationship. If you find any errors in any of the content of this podcast or blogs, please send a message through the contact page. This podcast is owned by KDD Media Company.